0: to take the hit. They see a church that's on fire for God. That's the church that gets... We are the army of God. We'll dare to discuss what most churches never will and strive always to speak the truth in love.
1: We are watchmen, warriors, victors... Together, we will fight the good fight and finish strong. On
0: run. This is David Hebner Live. A true Christian struggle is somewhat, somewhat like the movie The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. God is the good, Satan is the bad, and well sometimes the truth can be can be ugly well depending on what side of the truth you're on a mother she gazes down on her uh son laying there in, in a in a casket she's in a funeral home and he's twenty years old she's a Christian he was not he was a good person moral yes uh, ethical yes but not a believer in god she tried to tell him about god but he just he just wouldn't listen he just didn't seem to get it and as she gazes down on her son laying there she cries and she asks the question the family buries their 22 year old daughter killed in combat she died for others a great gal she's not a believer her family asked the same question a little girl is molested by her father broken injured she grows up and she views authority based on her molester she thinks that God is like her earthly father hurtful evil invasive The child grows up into a world of prostitution, angry with the world and angry with God. She dies of a drug overdose and not knowing God. The question is asked that same question Why does God create people and then send them to hell? You know, our, our pea brains can't seem to understand why God the good would create a person and send them into the arms of Satan the bad, and that's an ugly thought, but it's an ugly truth. I think all of us, for a second, if we would drop the uh, religious facade and the the uh, rhetoric and about God is, has uh, all in, under control and God is in charge and God is great and give it all to God, just trust God. If we would just stop until we've walked a mile in the shoes of the families that I mentioned above. God, why do you create people knowing that they're going to go to hell? And you talk to most Christians today, and they will bring up a thing called free will. My question is, is free will the term even in the Bible? And who termed this predicament of free will? I mean, the truth is most of us have had friends, family members, acquaintances that have passed on. And as far as we know, they didn't know the Lord. And I'm sure that you've asked the question like I have. God, where are they? Are they in hell? If so, why were they even born? What was the purpose of the life? It could be Muslim, Hindu. It could be even Mormons or other cults. It could be even within denominations, people who didn't know God. God makes them. He sends them to hell. But what about the scripture? God so loved the world. But he sends them to hell. I mean, or do they send themselves to hell? Or have we got this whole thing twisted? I mean, what is free will? These are questions that I've asked and I know you've asked if, if you've been honest and that's why we have my guest tonight is speaker and author and warrior for truth in these last days. And I'm sure he has all the answers to everything we wanna know about God tonight, Mr. Frank Turek.
2: Frank, you there with me there buddy. I am here David but after you laid all those questions out in that way I think we're about out of time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen man I tell you I've been watching your stuff it's amazing.
0: I told my wife I said you know if Christianity was Gilligan's Island uh I'd be Gilligan and you would be the professor. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah well I I there's a lot of people watching this now going who Gilligan who. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Frank You know, I bring these things up because we have experienced those. And I know that you get so many questions and I I admire you for standing up there. And I mean, I couldn't do what you do. Um, But let's get right into it. Why does God make people knowing that they're going to hell?
2: Yeah, that is an excellent question. The first thing I'd like to point out is that that is a moral question. Uh, It seems to impugn the morality of God to suggest that God would create someone that he knew would ultimately go to hell. So it is a moral question. It implies free will. It implies the idea that people have a choice and God has a choice and he chose to make the universe this way. Let's look at the options that we have. God could have created a universe where uh, people didn't have free will, right? And then, of course, nobody would have sinned, which means nobody would have been saved and it wouldn't be a moral universe. So it's not really worth comparing to our universe where we do have free choice. He could have created a universe where we had free choice, which allows us to love, but it also allows us to sin and do evil. But everybody believed. That's the one that we think, hey, we want that universe, right? Everybody believes. Nobody doesn't believe. That's logically possible but it's probably not actually achievable with free creatures, because even God can't force someone to freely choose him, because that would be a contradiction. Uh, you can't force somebody to freely love you. Love, by definition, must be freely giving, so it, it, always, it always has to have a choice. The, the universe that God did choose to create was a universe where everybody had free will, And the optimal number of people, maybe the maximum number of people that he could save, given their free will, he created. And even those who he creates knowing would go to hell, uh, freely go there. Just because God knows that they're not going to choose him, doesn't mean he's forcing them not to choose him. Just like we might say when we have a child, we know that that child's going to sin against us, but that doesn't mean we're forcing the child to sin against us. We just know that we've created a child through, obviously through, through God's will, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, this uh, this human being has the ability to sin against us. So God has created a universe whereby people who believe Him freely believe in Him, and people who don't believe in Him freely disbelieve in Him, and so. God has created a universe where he can save the maximum number of people while allowing free will. Okay. And we so, could expand upon that, but that, that's kind of the short answer. Okay, so
0: I think what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's kind of like watching a baseball game. Uh, God knows the end it, 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 the end of the game because he can see that, but it's up to the players if they're going to, you know, if, if they're going to... uh uh, if, the, if, they're, if, if they're going to be successful and win the game or not win the game, how they're going to play the game. So it's the in-between part of birth and death. God sees the ending, but he allows the free will in between.
2: Yes, well, he has to allow free will. If he doesn't allow free will, then this is not a moral universe, and there's no such thing as love. And, and so God gives us the ability to reject him because he has to give us the ability to reject him if we're going to freely love him as well. But look, even atheists get, get God's will done here on earth. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Richard Dawkins, the famous atheist, writes a book called The God Delusion, where he thinks people who are Christians are deluded. Um, well, a Christian picks up the book and he reads it and he goes, wow, that's an argument against God. I guess i got to do some investigation because I don't know how to answer that. He actually then learns more about God and gets closer to God actually through an atheist. So even atheists, even God can get his will done through disobedient people, whether they're atheists or Christians. So all of this, everything that we do, as you know, David ripples forward to affect other people and other events. And even atheists can do things that ripple forward for good later.
0: Right. And I'm going to talk about that. Um, uh, the ripple effect. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause I, 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 I watched your study on that. Um, Frank, uh, I agree with you, and I, I not tell people I've had atheists on the show, and people go, why do you have atheists? I said, look, I learn more from atheists than I do from a lot of Christians. Oh, yeah. um, it, you know, As a matter of fact, you have a book, <laughs> I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. I was going to bring that up later, but let's talk about it now. What does that mean, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist?
2: Well, it's kind of a play on the definition that atheists say faith is that how they define faith this is not the biblical definition but this is the atheistic definition and that is if you don't have evidence you just have faith it's just blind you're just accepting it even though you know it's probably not true and so what we're saying is is that the evidence is so strong for christianity and there's very little evidence for atheism that it's the atheists that to have that have to have all the faith because you know you're always saying oh i don't have as much faith as you that's what The atheist will say to a Christian, I can't believe you have all that faith that's blind. And we're just reversing that and saying, you know, I just don't have enough faith to be an atheist because what you believe has very little evidence for. We're the ones that have all the evidence and we therefore need a very small amount of faith. Now, again, this is not the biblical definition of faith. It's just the common definition that atheists tend to use.
0: A- a- Amen.
2: So, you know, I, I've seen uh,
0: people stand up in auditoriums and ask you questions. Now, I'm not saying this always happens, but I've seen it happen a few times j- just on the videos. But it seems like a lot of times when people are asking you questions, they're not coming from a I really want to know point of view. Sometimes they're standing up going, I dare you. I dare you to give me that answer, you know, when they, when they want to test God. Do you find that a lot of people come to you and they, it's like, okay, I already have the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway and I dare you to say it. Do you find that happening in your ministry quite a bit? Or do you get more of, hey, I really want to know, Frank. I'm, my heart,
2: you know, I, I want to know more about God? I think we get both, David, but I will say this. If I ever have someone who uh, is expressing a lot of hostility at the microphone and What David's referring to for our viewers is we go to a lot of college campuses and we present a presentation called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist based on our book. And uh, we go through about a 90-minute presentation and then we have open mic so people can ask anything. And sometimes, David, when they get up to the microphone uh, and they express some hostility, I'll ask them this question. I'll say, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? And I've had atheists stand at that microphone in front of hundreds of people and say, No. I said, no, wait a minute. You claim to be reasonable. I ask you if something were true, would you become a Christian? Would you believe it? And you say, no. How's that reasonable? How's that rational? It's not. Why? Because the problem isn't in the head. The problem's in the heart. They don't want it to be true. They don't want there to be a God. Why? Because they want to be God of their own lives. They don't want anybody telling them how they ought to live, And in fact, you know, think about many, many, many of us, many Christians are going, we don't want God telling us how to live either. I mean, it's inconvenient, right, to be a Christian. (laughs) But they are just being honest when you ask them that question. If Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? David, they're not on a truth quest. They're on a happiness quest. And here's the problem. They can make themselves happy over the short term, doing a lot of fun things. But over the long term, it's a disaster. And all of us who are over 40 watching this broadcast right now, know what I'm talking about, because we have tried it many times ourselves. The only way to get true contentment and happiness is to go straight through truth, and Jesus is the truth. A- Amen.
0: You know, I notice you have a lot of young people. You go to college campuses, and I mean, they line up, and they they ask you these questions, and I see, look at the audience, and some of these young kids are hanging on every word that you're saying, and some of the stuff you're saying, Frank, I mean, you're flying pretty high up there, man. Um, And it's not that it's uh, so so brainy that it's not spiritual anymore, but here's my point, is are the churches today, are they dropping the ball? Should they be talking about the things you and I are talking about a lot more? And if they would, it would bring the young people into a place where they would really like to be settled with God and to really follow God? Are the yeah, the answer
2: is yes, because David, it's, it's very hard for the mind to rejoice, or I should say, let me put it another way, it's very hard for the heart to rejoice in what the mind doubts. And if you come to Christianity based on emotion, you can easily leave Christianity based on emotion. But if you come to Christianity based on the facts, facts don't change. And I find that apologetics, which is what we're talking about, which is we're not apologizing. We're given evidence for what we believe. That's what the word means from 1 Peter 3.15. Always ready to give an answer, give a reason for the hope that you have. Right. I find that this actually has even more of an impact on Christians than non-Christians, David. In other words, when we go through difficulty and we start doubting God or we're, we get pressure on, from our friends on social media for our stands, it's very comforting to know that Christianity is really true and we're taking hits, we're being persecuted, we're being denigrated because it's true, not because we just have a wishful thought that it might be true. Yeah, so
0: if more church, you're talking about apologetics, but really, and you hit the nail on the head, it's really getting into the things that you and I just are talking about right here. Mm -hmm. If more churches would address these issues and get real with it, Instead of, not all churches do this, but I call them some of the Six Flags over Jesus, you know, some right, the right. syrupy sermons. Don't you agree that more people outside would look at us as Christians and go, wait a minute, let me go in there, you know, let me hear what's going on. I'm going to check this out. I mean, that we would actually connect with a lot more people.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's certainly true. And uh, it's not only just a good idea, it's commanded in the scriptures, right? Always (laughs) ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. We demolish arguments and take every thought captive to Christ. Come let us reason together. God is a God of reason and evidence. In fact, you know, when uh, John the Baptist was doubting that Jesus was really the messiah remember when he was in prison and he sent some emissaries over to jesus and he says to jesus the emissaries say hey john wants to know are you really the messiah or should we wait for somebody else and jesus doesn't say hey stop asking questions like that just have faith what does he say he says look at the signs look at the miracles in other words jesus was an evidentialist who pointed to evidence to affirm his own deity
0: wow so you see it's so important for we as christians to to have an answer when people ask questions, certain questions. And I know a lot of people are like me. Sometimes they get intimidated. Sometimes you get hit, with, you know, out of left field with something, you know, somebody really like you talking mm-hmm. about, they, it's an I dare you type thing. Um, w- before we conclude this segment, what can you tell people out there listening when someone comes to them and says, okay, look, why, first of all, if there is a hell, why is God making people, and he's, going to, and he's sending them to hell? Is there, is there a concise answer that you could give us to be able yeah, to? Yeah, the,
2: the, most, the most concise answer, well, let me just relate what happened uh, to me in a debate once. I was debating a guy by the name of Eddie Tabash, an atheist attorney from Beverly Hills. We were debating at the University of Michigan, and he asked me this question during the debate. He said, my mother... Uh, was a survivor of the Holocaust. And toward the end of her life, she, uh, after going through a lot of pain and suffering, was offered the gospel, and she rejected it, and then she died. And uh, he wanted to know, he said, Frank, is my mother in hell right now? And I said, Eddie, that's a, a really good question. I said, look, I don't know if your mother had a deathbed conversion or not, But if she didn't accept Christ before she died, then God is too loving to force her into heaven against her will. Mm. You see, because the implication is everybody wants to go to heaven. That's not true. Who's in heaven? Jesus is in heaven. Well, there have been people running from Jesus their entire lives. What's he going to do in the afterlife? Going, hey, where are you going? You're with me now. Get over here. That wouldn't be loving. Look, if as C.S. Lewis famously said, there's only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, thy will be done. If you don't want anything to do with God, God will separate himself from you. That's what hell is. And you'll be with God if you want to be with him. That's what heaven is, by accepting the free gift that he's provided. Look, if there is a God, and there is, and there is an afterlife, and there is, there's only two possibilities. You're either going to be with God in the afterlife, that's heaven, or you're going to be separated from God in the afterlife, that's hell and God will not force anybody into his presence against their will. So that's the short answer. There's a lot more to it, but I think it really gets at the misunderstanding that people have about the afterlife. They think everybody wants to be with Jesus. No, they don't.
0: You're absolutely right. The first thing is, what I hear you saying is, don't assume that everyone is going to heaven or hell because we don't know what happened in those final seconds of their life. That's between them and God. That's Mm -hmm. the first thing. Number two, is exactly what you said. Don't focus on them going to hell. Let me ask you a question. If they ran from Jesus all their life, what would they want to be with Jesus for, for eternity? In That's other right. words, twist it around and take it to heaven, right?
2: Uh-huh. Exactly. You and, uh, you know, I, I I sometimes, in fact, I told it that night at the University of, of uh, Michigan. I asked the ladies in the audience, I said, uh, ladies, how many of you have ever... Um, had some man pursue you whom you did not want to date and of course whenever you ask that question the ladies start giggling right in fact one of them in the back said yes i I looked at her i said is he sitting next to you right now you know so she's just everyone starts laughing when you say yeah i've always i've had a man pursue me whom i didn't want to date and I, i said well suppose this man keeps pursuing you and he he, he finally asks you out and you say, look, I like you, but only as a, and they all complete the sentence, friend, right? right? I always tell the men, I say, men, if you ever get the dreaded friend rejection, move on. She's not interested, right? In fact, yeah. she doesn't even like you as a friend because if she did, she'd be interested. Anyway, suppose this guy keeps pursuing you, ladies. He keeps pursuing and he finally gets to the point where he says, I love you so much, I'm going to force you to love me. Ladies, run, screaming from the building. Can he force you to love him? No. Love, by definition, must be freely given. So if he truly did love you, ladies, what would he do? He would leave you alone. And that's what God does for us. He leaves Absolutely. us alone.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the key thing is you, you said something I never thought about. Would they even want to be with God for eternity? Okay. No. So... Uh, We're talking to Frank Turek, everybody. And Frank, when we come back, I want to ask you about miracles. Mm -hmm. Um, You have a study on miracles. I think there's there's six points. Uh, But when we come back, I want to ask you about miracles in these days, how to Mm -hmm. identify and understand if it really is a miracle. Mm. And is it from God or is it from Satan? And can Satan even do a miracle Mm -mm -mm. when we come back? We're talking to Frank Turek, my guest, and uh, you guys stay with me and we'll be right back.
1: If you're like me and you're tired of organized religion, the same kind of preacher preaching feel-good sermons. I'm a mom raising two kids and I want them to hear the truth. I'm a gatherer right here on David Heavener Live every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Where we learn what it means to be a real Christian, to cast our demons, heal the sick, and fight the good fight. I'm not famous, and I'm certainly not rich, but I am a child of the living God, and I stand on truth. I hope you'll join me and many others right here on David Heavener Live, where we learn to use our God-given power. I've come to chew gum and kick the devil's rear end, and I'm all out of gum.
0: Everybody, David here. You know, I'm walking in this indoor mall, and people are spending a lot of money. There's a lot of wealth here. But, you know, there's many countries, third-world countries, that don't have the resources. And that lays on my heart something very, very uh, important to me. God spoke to me and said, David, I want you to give away free DVDs of Last Evangelist. There is no reason ever why a church, a pastor, a Sunday school, a Bible study should ever be denied learning more about these end times. I want to print up DVDs, and I want to do a workbook, and I want to thank you for being part of this international campaign. God bless you all. Hey, everybody, David here. So good to be with you every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is my church, your church, God's church, and you're my family. We stay together. We pray together. And tonight, I have a special guest, Frank Turek. We're talking about things that, quite frankly, many of the churches don't talk about. A lot of times, we haven't even talked about, but we're going to tonight. Uh, We're going to talk to Frank about miracles. What is a miracle? and how do we identify it? What's going on with this crazy world of all of these things that are happening? Frank, are you with me, buddy? I'm still here, David, thanks for having me. It's a miracle, we haven't <laughs> lost contact. It's, that's a miracle, let me tell you. So I saw your study on miracles, and not that we need to go through every little detail, but here's my question. I'd like to ask you, what is a miracle? What would, the, how would you term miracle?
2: Yeah, excellent question. Well, there are six different, different types of unusual events. Let me just go through them very quickly, that, that sometimes Christians confuse with miracles. Um, anomalies. What's an anomaly? That's a, uh, something that's unexplained that happens naturally. Like, for example, uh, years ago, uh, they, didn't, they couldn't figure out how a bumblebee flew. Uh, because its, its wings were too short for its body. But bumble, bumblebees flew. We knew it wasn't a miracle. It was just an unusual event we couldn't explain. We later figured out there's a kind of a power pack on a, on a bumblebee, so that's now explained. But it was an anomaly for, for a while. The second type of unusual event we sometimes might confuse with a miracle is magic. That's human sleight of hand. It's a human being doing something, right? It's not God or somebody outside the space-time continuum doing something. The third type of unusual event is a psychosomatic cure. You may have heard uh, psychosomatic issues. Like my, my co-author, Dr. Norman Geisler, many for many years, he he had an allergy to flowers. He would well up whenever he got near flowers. And one time he was preaching at a church. He got there a little early, got up to the podium, and he saw that there were flowers set up around the podium. His eyes welled up. He began to sneeze. He, he looked at one of the elders. He said, hey, you guys are going to have to move these flowers before the service or I won't be able to preach. And they looked at him. And they said, Dr. Geisler, those flowers are plastic. (laughs) And (laughs) he finally realized that the allergy, in his case, was in his head. It was psychosomatic. It wasn't a real allergy. The fourth kind of unusual event is called a satanic sign. That's a supernormal event done for evil, promoting evil by a demon or Satan himself but there are limits on what they can do. Like they can't raise the dead. They don't have power over life. Uh, you even saw the Egyptian magicians with, uh, with Pharaoh, uh, the snake thing. You know, they, they couldn't create life once it got to life. They said, this is the hand of God. We can't do this. The fifth kind of unusual event that we most often confuse with a miracle is divine providence. Uh, a lot of times we'll say something like, um, well, divine providence is, is God is involved, but he doesn't overpower a natural law in order to carry out what he wants to carry out. Like we might say the fog at Normandy in June of 1944 was providential. It was God involved, but he didn't overpower a natural law. You know, a, a fog happens all the time. It just happened at the right time in the right place. It wasn't a miracle. It would have been a miracle if uh, our boys had, uh, had, had approached the beach and bullets bounced off their chest. That would have been a miracle. This was not a miracle, but God was involved. And too often, we call divine providence a miracle. Like we might say, oh, it's a miracle I met my wife. No, it wasn't, unless she walked across the lake to meet you on top of the lake. You know, that would be a miracle. Um, That's the one we often call a miraculous when it isn't. You know, God has prearranged events, so things happen, even though he's not overpowering a natural law. A true miracle is when God overpowers a natural law, like raising the dead or parting the Red Sea or walking on water. Those are miracles that can't be explained any other way, and they're there to support or promote the truth, promote the good promote the gospel in some sense. You might even say speaking in tongues in the language of somebody that can't understand the current language that you know, but now suddenly you can speak in a tongue that they can't understand when you didn't understand that language, that would be miraculous as well. Those are called miracles and we have to be very clear clear to not call something that isn't a miracle a miracle.
0: Okay. What, what is the purpose of a miracle? In other words, w- when you look at a, an event, okay, that's supernatural, what do you ask yourself uh, to qualify if that's, if that's a, a miracle from
2: God? Yeah, well, it's gotta be associated with truth. It's gotta be associated with what God would promote because miracles are normally there to confirm a message from God. The miracle confirms the message, the sign confirms the sermon. In fact, if you look in the Bible, it's quite interesting that when God does miracles through people, David, he does them in three central time periods or three distinct time periods. Miracles are around Moses, Elijah and Elijah, and Jesus and the apostles. Why? Because these are periods when people are giving, getting new revelation from God, so they need new confirmation. Why should anyone listen to Moses? Because Moses can do miracles. Why should people listen to Elijah and Elijah? Because they can do miracles. Why should people listen to Jesus and the apostles and add all these books to the Old Testament and what we now call the New Testament? Because they can do miracles. The miracle confirms some new information from God. That's the main reason for miracles. That's why, as I mentioned earlier, when Jesus is asked, are you the true Messiah? John the Baptist is asking. He doesn't say just have faith. He says, look at the signs. Look at the miracles. The miracles confirm who I am. Mm. You know,
0: um, I did a video on the Bible that leaks oil. Uh, and the thing blew up. It was like two or three million views. And people started going to this uh, Christian bookstore where the oil was. And it grew from 20 people to 800 people because uh, the Bible just kept leaking oil. Now, I'm not, I don't want to talk about the Bible leaking oil, but here's my point uh, Can Satan. And I, uh, mimic can Satan counterfeit an event such as a Bible leaking oil or a statue bleeding? You know these 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 ty- uh, teeth with gold, these things. And it, it, would this be Satan about something like this? Theoretically, now I know you don't, you can't,
2: you know, qualify it, but but in theory, uh, yes, yeah, certainly. And I don't, I don't see what. Let's just use the leaking oil from the Bible. I don't see what that does to affirm Christianity, right? Why, why would that affirm necessarily Christianity? It could just be a relic. It could just be explained maybe in some other manner. It's not really advancing the cause of Christ. When we see miracles done in the Bible, they're advancing the cause of Christ. In fact, take a look at the four categories of miracles that Jesus does. What does he do? Well, first of all, he's sinless, right? That's, that's, that's right. a miracle because every other human being is sinful. Secondly, he, he can heal the sick, he can have power over nature, and he can raise the dead. Now, if you think about this, those four categories of miracles are all fixing problems that we have here on earth. We're sinful, we get sick, nature can hurt us, and we die. By doing miracles in those four categories, David, Jesus is basically saying, I'm the Messiah. I can fix things that are wrong with this world. I am the Messiah. He's not doing card tricks, right? He's not, he's not even doing miracles that affect him or I should say that, that benefit him. None of the apostles did miracles that could benefit them. They did miracles to show that they could overcome those four problems and fix and and. And, and fix the fallen creation. That's why, that's how Jesus shows he is the Messiah. He can fix everything that's wrong.
0: Right. You know, Jesus said, be not deceived in Matthew 24. Uh, and the Bible talks about lying signs and wonders, Frank. Yep. Um, do you believe that in these days that we're in, uh, that the devil, the Antichrist system is going to start bringing forth lying signs and wonders in the
2: under the umbrella of, quote, miracles uh, to deceive people? I think that's what Paul talks about. Now, whether we're there yet or not, I don't know. And I'm very careful about trying to date anything, because as Jesus said, I'll come like a thief in the night. So uh, I look, I always tell people, look, I'm not on the planning committee. I'm on the welcoming committee. So I'm just going to welcome Jesus when he comes. If he wants to come tonight, that's great. If it's going to be a thousand years from now, that's great, too. That's up to him.
0: So in these lying signs and wonders, when people experience these miracles, uh, the first thing we need to ask, Frank, is it is it a message from God? Is God trying to tell us something that's very important uh, to to get is God in it? I mean, in this day that we live, is there something God would want to tell us through a miracle? uh like like he did in scripture
2: well he could and my friend craig keener i don't know if you can see behind me but there's a couple of books on my bookshelf uh on miracles and uh, there are two volumes they're hernia inducing david because <laughs> it's about 1100 pages and what craig has done is he has actually verified uh modern day miracles and that's what those, that two-volume set is about. But let me be very quick to, to point out that there doesn't need to be a miracle since Jesus and the apostles for Christianity to be true. Because Christianity is true if Jesus rose from the dead. Game over. If there's been no miracle since Jesus and the apostles, Christianity is still true. In other words, we don't need modern-day miracles to show that Christianity is true, even though I still believe they occur. And that's what, of course, uh, Craig Keener is pointing out. In his two-volume set so I think miracles are very interesting to look into but even if I were to discover that miracles don't occur today Christianity would still be true
0: so my last question before we take a break is you mentioned that Satan does not have the capacity to do what God does he has limited limited ability limited authority okay now, does this tie in to Jesus saying, to the scripture saying greater who, who's in us than the, who's in the world, meaning the power of God always, always drives out the demonic forces? Does this have the same play when Jesus said, you know, he spoke to the demon, you're gone, that today when we speak to demons, they have to leave? Does that fit into what you're saying is that we have more power than Satan has ultimately?
2: Well, ultimately, not because we personally have it, because Jesus has it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that we are going to it, rely on the power of Jesus. And I think so many of, I think really spiritual warfare, David, is really grounded in knowing the truth and living the truth. It's more about truth than it is, in my view, about power encounters. That's why Paul says, renew your mind, renew your mind, put on the full armor of God. And uh, and and take up his shield and his word, his sword. So it's really more about prayer and knowing the truth than it is about rebuking things. I think. In fact, when okay. Jesus is being tempted by Satan, what's what's his weapon? It's the word of God, right? Amen. He, Satan tries to Satan tries to get Jesus to uh, obey the word of God taken out of context. And Jesus puts it in his proper context by citing the scripture properly or citing other scriptures to counter what Satan is saying. And we ought to do the same thing. Obviously, Jesus in his power could have simply snapped Satan out of existence if he had wanted to. But that wouldn't be our example. We don't have the power to snap Satan out of existence. And Jesus was giving us his example as, as, you know, he's got two natures, a human and divine nature in his human nature, he said, here's how I'm going to deal with Satan. If he's going to deal with Satan by using prayer and the word, that's how we ought to use it. That's how Amen. we ought to deal with
0: Satan. A- Amen. Um, Frank, when we come back, I want to ask you about uh, the ripple the ripple effect. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> so many times we talk about uh, generational curses. And, and when we come back, I want to dive into this. But Frank has a little bit different take on generational curses. When we come back, we're going to talk about that, and also how people today are trading the truth and what are they trading it for when we come back. This is your Bible. Yes, you're right. Tell me, what, how did this come about? What was the first sign of the Bible leaking oil?
2: So we have to ask ourselves, what is the source of this particular miracle?
1: I touched the oil, I hit the ground. You
0: all shoot off back. Here's the oil, but it's all a fake and a fraud. Not too long ago, I released a video called The Bible That Leaks Oil by the Gallons, Proof of End Times Miracles. To date, this video has had almost 2 million views. To some, it's proof that God is alive and doing miracles, to some, it's questionable, and to others, it's even blasphemy. But my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will guide us into a better understanding of miracles and this Bible that leaks oil. We've analyzed the oil in a lab, and this is what it is. Everybody is someone's last evangelist. You bring out what the other churches don't bring out. 10 million ritually abused people. Yes. You expose
2: things that they don't talk about.
1: I just want to say thank you to David for making these videos because he's made people aware of what's Going
2: on. It's not the lukewarm church that's going to awaken. They're going to think, oh, the New World Order is wonderful. This is what we've been praying for. A demon right. could take on the form of an alien. You know, okay. Satan can mas- masquerade himself as an angel of light. Okay.
0: They get into people and cause people to do blood sacrifices and do all these demonic things. You talk
1: about what other pastors and so-called ministers don't talk about. I'm just so grateful for the work that you have done. So thankful for everything that you're doing and fighting for us in Hollywood.
0: Stop playing church. It's time to be the church. And that's what I love about it. Everybody, I'm so glad to be with you. Um, If you would, please um, uh, pray for... uh, We have a lot of uh, prayer warriors out there tonight. Pray, pray, because we, this country we're at a pivotal point. And I don't go into politics too much, but I will say we need to pray for this country. All of the things that are going on, the riots, um, uh, what's happening on the right and on the left. And you've got the election coming. I've got to pray. So please, please let's pray. Also, um, if uh, you need prayer, I want you to email me at david at davidheavener.com. We have over 600 prayer warriors. We pray for you. I pray for you personally. I send it out to a small group of people also. Um, if God leads you to support this ministry, please text the word CHOSEN to 91999, CHOSEN 91999. Or go to LastEvangelist.com and consider partnering with us. I'm excited to have Frank Turek with me. Um, we've been getting into some amazing things. Frank, you know, a lot of, we talk about this uh, in this ministry we talk about generational curses, and I have a lot of people come to me and say, you know, I just can't break it. I can't shake it, David. It's, it's that generational curse, uh, and many times it's true what I'm getting ready to explain about how Satan, uh, uh, things are passed on from generation to generation, and Satan uh, wedges his way in there through every generation, and it seems like sometimes it's the same problem, but there's also generational consequences, meaning that maybe Satan can just sit back and go, I don't need to throw a curse on anybody. I'll just let, you know, the daughter do what the mama did. And then the granddaughter do what, do you follow it? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, that's what I think is happening. Generational consequences. You know, if your, your parents were alcoholics, that's probably going to affect you. It, it might even affect your your own drinking habits, it might affect you economically, it might affect you educationally, it might affect your, your mind or your brain if your parents were drinking, particularly your, obviously your mom while she was pregnant. Yeah, there are generational consequences uh, that I would really point to. And, you know, but there, it, we could also look at it the other way too, David. One of the scariest verses in scripture for me is when Jesus said, to whom much is given, much will be required. and in America anyway, at least currently right now, if you're a Christian, you've been given a lot. You've been given so much. You've been given so many opportunities. You've been given so much information, more information than you could ever take in to actually be an ambassador. There's no excuse for not knowing why Christianity is true. There's no excuse for not having good theology now. It's right on your phone if you can just find the right sites, right? Yeah. Uh, so. God, I think, is going to look at us and when we get to heaven and say, well, Now, what did you do with the resources I gave you? Because to whom much is given, much will be required. Oh, sure. Some of you started with half a deck because of the consequences that came from your parents, but you still could have done something more than you did. And so, why aren't you using what you've been provided, what I've provided to you to advance the kingdom?
0: Right. You know, I see generational curse could be. I'm not saying it mm-hmm. is. But it could be a cop-out saying, oh, I got a generational curse. That's got, right. People come to me, and they tell me, David, I got a generational curse. I said, what's the curse? And they said, I, I can't lose weight, you know. Uh, it, it, and I said, why do you say it's generational? They go, well, oh, with my mom and then her grandmother. And I said, well, what do they eat? What kind, What's the diet like? Well, you know, blah, blah, I go, that's generational consequences, you know. That's right. Or, 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 or they're... Uh, there's cancer in the family. It's, it gets passed down. And I, I go, uh, wh- wh- it, you know, my mother had it, her grandmother had it. And I go, well, tell me, what, wh- what's going on? Well, we all clean houses and handle chemicals, you know, or, or we handle Roundup or whatever. And I go, these are generational consequences. So, Frank, here's my point. We as Christians must look and see what our mothers did our grandmothers, and, 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 and understand their way of life so that we don't mimic that, so that that's, right. we,
2: that's wisdom, right? Absolutely. And look, if we couldn't adjust ourselves based on wisdom, we wouldn't have a Bible, and we certainly wouldn't have a book of Proverbs, right? Yeah. God, is, God is giving us a blueprint for how we ought to live life, and if we don't want to follow it, that's our fault, not his.
0: absolutely absolutely but don't get me wrong i do believe there are generational curses i think that there's times where that can fit into play but but while i have you on the show i want to talk about the ripple effect so this is a great time Mm -hmm. to do it thank you for that um you mentioned truth um you know truth to me is not negotiable uh it, it can be traded but it can't be negotiated um you know you can trade it for something of less value or uh but nothing compares to truth. And I want to bring a scripture into this, Jared, Romans 1.25, and see what Frank says about this. Uh, R- Romans 1.25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worship and serve created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Frank, what does that scripture mean to you, and how does it plot apply to today, or does it?
2: It does, because I think, as Paul would say, there's only two religions in the world, David. You're either worshiping the creator or some aspect of the creation. And all of us on occasion are worshiping some aspect of the creation. Because even atheists worship something or someone. We all worship something. It could be ourselves. It could be our autonomy. It could be sex. It could be money. It could be power. It could be a bank account. It could be our vocation. It could even be a person. It could be a relationship. Anything that we put over God is what we would call an idol. And we will suppress the truth about God because we want that idol more than anything else. And I think all of us on occasion are, if not very frequently, are guilty of this. And we have to be very careful to not worship an aspect of the creation over the creator. In in fact, I think that many of these things I just mentioned are good things. Obviously, people are good things. Money is a good thing, Uh, a a vocation. all these things are good, but if we put them over ultimate things, if we put them over God, then they become a problem for us. Then we are suppressing the truth about God to worship a created aspect of reality rather than the Creator. Amen. You know, I have,
0: to have people come back to me and go, David, I don't climb on a mountain and worship the you know clouds, and I don't uh, you know dance around the flowers, but really. What the creation is, I mean, that, that is creation, but the right. creation is anything that is manufactured by man. Uh, it, it can be manufactured by God too, but remember God manufactured man. Man manufactures cars, uh, manufactures houses, money, all that. But what you're saying is this creation is not just a mountain or a sunrise, sunset. This creation is anything that's created ultimately by God and that creation becomes our our form of worship, our
2: point of worship. Could even be this, or what you what you see on this. You know, um, could even be it could be pornography on this. It could be a person on this. It could be anything that you put above God. So that's one of the things that we all have to be aware of that we are creatures that are created to worship. And if we won't worship the true God, we're going to worship an aspect of the creation.
0: Amen. I mean, it's even a person you mentioned that. Um, uh, the, the, and, and I've been guilty of this. We all have where we put people uh, before God in the place of God. You know, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Bible talks about, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase, but look, we are to love God first, mm-hmm. the neighbor second. And uh, We are to want to be, in the eyes of God, holy. We want to find favor with God first, not favor with man first. Okay? Mm -hmm. Um, So, Frank, before we go, I have one last question for you. Um, But first of all, I want to know when we come back if you'll uh, go underground with us. We do a thing called Underground, and we can talk about things. We're going to disconnect from uh, YouTube and Facebook and go strictly on Roku and Apple TV. Okay. we actually bring people into the green room with us to actually, sure. as a community, I think it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so, so here's my last question. Maybe it's an observation, uh, but, but it's, it's something that I, I want to lay out. So why would Satan, okay. Who operates through atheist, I, I would assume, obviously, but why would Satan want to sit and argue about God, about the things of God? Is God real? Is God not real? Uh, uh, it, it, with the possibility of someone like you answering the question, or God answering it through you or through anybody, and being exposed. Meaning, if I was Satan, I'd just sit back and say, hey, I don't need to do anything. Just, uh, I'll just twist whatever gospel we have a little bit. So, so it looks like the truth, but it's not quite the truth. So do you believe that possibly there's more danger in counterfeit religion that's preached from some of the pulpits today and some of the church that Satan has weaved his way into there for counterfeit more than even in an atheist environment?
2: Yeah, I know this is going to sound a little strong, David, but I would rather have somebody be an atheist than believe in a false God, because if they're believing in a false God, they may think they have the truth, and they won't be open to the true God. At least an atheist isn't worshiping anything but himself or some aspect of the creation. He might be open to true Christianity. Somebody in false Christianity might think they have the true Christianity, and when that doesn't work out for whatever reason, then they think, well, God doesn't exist, right? They they chuck the true God because they had a, a their expectations weren't met with a false God so they wind up saying well no God exists then where at least the atheist might be open to God the the person taken into deception by a false kind of Christianity a false teacher is very hard to get out of in fact you know I spoke uh, a couple of years ago to David out in Utah as you know mostly Mormon Mormons are very nice people but when it comes to their theology. Uh, they're they're polytheists. They don't believe in the same Jesus we do, and there was a church there that was ministering to ex Mormons. And they the pastor there said that most people that come out of the Mormon church don't become Christians. You know what happens? They become atheists or agnostics because they figure I've been duped once. I don't want to be duped again. Wow!
0: Wow! And you know, hey. Jesus, who did he talk to? He talked to the Pharisees, the scribes. These were that's the right. religious people, the people that twisted it. They were they were the counterfeit. Uh, uh, and, and <laughs> here's the thing. We need to be aware of Satan more in the church today, in the church system of today, than we need to focus on this person's an atheist, okay? And I think that's what you're saying. In these last days, we need and, to understand how oh, Satan David. is
2: let me say one more thing and this is very important that's been going on lately as you know there's something out there now known as progressive christianity Mm -hmm. where people are deconstructing their faith and most of this is really motivated by sexual freedom you know they want to do what they want to do sexually and uh a, a colleague of mine who really uh has ministered to people in progressive christianity her name is elisa childers she's come to some of our training She's got a great podcast on progressive Christianity at Lisa Childers. So check that out. she will have a new book coming out called Another Gospel, and that's really what it is. It's another gospel. I also want to mention before we leave YouTube that if you look for our YouTube channel, Cross Examined on YouTube, you'll see over 800 short videos of Q&As that we get on college campuses, so many more than David and I can talk about here. So check that all out and also go to our website, crossexamined.org. Okay, I,
0: that was my l- last thing I was going to bring up, crossexamine.org, Jared, if we can put that up. And uh, and I guess they can get in contact with your ministry through that website. Yes, sir. Uh, and they can also buy your books and everything through uh, Amazon and through your site and every- all that. Yes, sir. That's- it's all up there. That's right. <laughs> okay. Frank, thank you so much. You're going to stay with us. We're going underground. Um, all right. Thank you so much, brother. appreciate it. Uh, Frank Turek everybody so we're going to be going underground if you want to go with us uh, you can still watch you don't need to be a member but if you want to go underground and go to the green room you need to sign up go to davidhevner.tv and sign up you can do it now we're going to be praying for people we're going to do some praise reports Uh, is Shanita out there I I want to uh, I know we have some people we need to pray for right now yes hi how are you
1: well terrific Thank you so much for tonight's show, and thank you to our guest, Frank. Um, My millennials and I were speaking the other day just about the risks that Frank takes and how encouraged we are for how he stands up for faith, defending the truth.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank Thank God for him. Shanita, you've got uh, some praise reports, you have some prayer requests. Let's start with the praise reports.
1: Okay, we have a praise report from Anna. For three years, her laptop was not working, and it could not be fixed. And all of a sudden, the problem resolved itself. So praise God. And Raphael says, I've been quietly listening to David Hebner and the last evangelist a few years. I live alone in a trailer in a a Spanish-language men's Christian drug alcohol rehab center. I admire and include your ministry in my nightly prayers. Thank you, Raphael. We appreciate you so much. God bless you. And tonight we're praying for Brent's ankle, for Wendy, for Lynn, for Anna, Maureen, Linda, Pamela. We love you all. We appreciate you. And thank you so much for your prayers and love.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Shanita. Love you. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Um, God has given us some great information tonight. Um, let's not take this lightly. Um, we, you know, we, it just, it's, it's, a, it's an appointment. It's an anointing and an appointing. We're, we're appointed to be here, and, and there's an anointing. And let's give God the glory. Let's give him praise that he has given us this valuable information tonight. He's brought in the Holy, uh, through the Holy Spirit, he's brought in um, um, such truisms, tr- things that, quite frankly, I've uh, encountered on the show tonight that I've not encountered before. So the goal is to leave on a higher level than which we came in. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. I want to thank you for everything that you've spoken of tonight. And I want to thank you for being a God that loves us so much to give us this information, this knowledge. Father, I ask now that you give us the boldness, that you give us the the freedom, that you give us the calmness, the relaxation to go out and to share this with others that we not rely on our own words, that we, we rely on the Holy Spirit guiding us. There's people out there listening now that tonight it's been confirmed into your life the direction of your ministry. It's been confirmed into your life the direction of your ministry. These words that were spoken tonight, and I thank God for that, but now is the time we must move. Tomorrow is not promised. Thank you, Lord, for each and every person that we mention here tonight. I'm praying for the the people there that are struggling um, financially. There's so many people struggling financially. There's an older lady, and she's struggling with loneliness. And I'm praying for this older uh, um, lady. She has people around her, but she's just so lonely, God. I don't know what that loneliness is. I ask that you go in right now and fill her up. Fill her up. I'm praying for uh, the woman whose husband doesn't know the Lord, and she's been praying on her knees. And, Lord, I'm asking for, for, for just a miracle. Uh, and, and you know the end of the ball game. but we're asking you, Lord. We're, we're praying that you show us how to present the truth to people. Show us when and how. I'm praying for children out there that are exposed to abuse that their abuser stops right now that satan has no right into the lives of children and i'm asking father that anointing goes over these children that are being abused that no one can touch them I'm praying for mothers that are thinking of having that abortion, and they will not have it. Something happens. They cannot have it, and there is a realization that that is murder to the mother, and therefore, these babies will be born. We're praying for these babies tonight, for the children, for an anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you guys for being with me. If you're not going to go underground, but I hope you do. Uh, you can stay with me on David uh, davidheavener.tv and continue watching. But if you want to go underground, you have to become a member. But just remember that until you found, you never really lived, and I'm talking about living a life, you've never really lived until you found something worth dying for. That's the truth. That's God, Christ.
2: God bless you. We'll be right back.